Welcome to the Seek 22 podcast. We're so glad you're here. I'm Erin Scanlon, one of the Seek MCs and your host for this season. This podcast is a place of community, collaboration, and inspiration created to invite and encourage you deeper into relationship with Jesus. Today, we're hearing from our friend, Father Josh, at the Ask Father Josh podcast. Usually, Father takes listener-submitted questions and helps navigate the tricky times in life when our Catholic faith doesn't give you an easy fill-in-the-blank answer. In this special Seek episode, he's diving into his own prayer, Seek experiences, and the life of St. Alberto Hurtado, the patron of Seek 22. What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that is helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity. On this edition of Ask Father Josh, we are doing a special show dedicated to the Seek 22 conference. And so unlike my other shows where I address two to three questions dealing with morality or spirituality, relationship advice, doctrine, catechesis, and evangelization, on this particular show, uh, which is unique for the Seek Conference, I'm going to address three topics. Number one, I'm going to give you guys a testimony of my experience at past Seek Conferences. Number two, we're going to dive into the theme. I'm going to share with you the fruits of my prayer with the theme of seeking and finding. The more I seek you, the more I find you. And number three, I'm going to share with you guys the patron saint uh, for the Seat Conference. He's a saint who is relatively unknown in the United States of America, um, but back in his hometown, he's one of the biggest saints in their community. And I believe that if we grow in our relationship with him, he can help us to transform this land in the USA and build what St. John Paul the Great calls an authentic civilization of love. With that, let's get into today's show. start off by just giving you guys a testimony of of my own experience at the SEEK conference. I've been to SEEK uh, conferences since uh, probably 2015, maybe. Uh, it was my first year going, and I've been to almost every, every one since, uh, since then. I've been able to speak at the conferences and attend the conferences with some of my students. I've been able to celebrate Mass at the conferences and hear confessions and pray in adoration and have fellowship with other people. But one of my favorite experiences, I believe it was my first Sikh conference, uh, and we had a, a special dinner with the priest before we heard confessions. When we heard confessions, there was, I mean, there were so many priests available, and we were able to hear confessions all night. All night long, all night, all night long for the, for the students. But at the dinner, Bishop Cousins, uh, he gave a, a talk. And after his talk to the priest, just encouraging us, right, in our vocation, in our, in our ministry, in our relationship with the Lord, he invited us to, to intercede for all the participants, for all the young men and women who were going to go back to confession that night uh, during adoration. And it was one of the most beautiful experiences of my priesthood. It really shaped 
my 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 priesthood that that moment. I was only a priest for about a year whenever I attended this particular conference, and um, it was so powerful just to be in a room with brother priests sitting at our own tables, and we were just praying from the heart for you, for the attendance. We were interceding for you. We were asking the Lord to bless you and to protect you and to guard you and to heal you and to restore you. And it was one of those moments that just like really transformed my life because sometimes when priests get together, uh, we can like live on the surface with each other and we could abide on the surface. So we could just talk about politics in the church, like what's going on and what did this Pope say or that Pope say or what did this theologian say or what did that podcast say or this blog or that blog or whatever. And we talk about things that some of them are important, some are not important. Or we talk about our parishes, we talk about the struggles, we talk about this and that. But to just come together as brother priest and pray from the heart for the bride of Christ, it was something that was so powerful and uh, it really inspired me and and encouraged me to go back home and do the same thing. Whenever I've hung out with some of my brother priests, it's like let's just pray right now. Like let's let's pray not only for each other, but let's pray for our people. Let's pray for our parishioners. Let's pray for our bishop. Let's pray for our pope. Let's pray for the for our land. Let's pray for God to do something new. And so it was one of those defining moments in my life. And so I'm forever grateful for Bishop Cousins for inviting us and for leading us and for witnessing to us what uh, what our priesthood, our community uh, as brother priests could look like and should look like in our, in our walk toward eternity. So that's my testimony. Seek has been, always been awesome. Countless young people have had conversions. Many young people have answered the call to their particular vocations. Uh, great speakers have shared beautiful things. But for me, it was the intimacy of praying for you with my brother priest. Um, for, for, it was just so, so, so powerful. So that's my, that's my, my, my highlight, my testimony of, of how the Seek conference has, has been beneficial for me as a priest. But now I want to share with you the theme, Seek and You Will Find. I, I've been spending some time before the Blessed Sacrament with this particular theme. And the very first thing that happened as I prayed was uh, a song came to my mind. There's a song, the more I seek you, the more I find you. The more I find you, the more I love you. I want to sit at your feet, drink from the cup by your side, um, lean back against you and feel your heart beat. Uh, this love is so deep, it's more than I can stand. I melt in your presence. And then in the live version of the song, they began to like sing spontaneously to the Lord. And, and one of the, the artists, one of the musicians, one of the, the worship leaders, he said, all I want is just to know your heart. And will you keep me there until we're one? Ah, oh, we, we have one heart, one heart with Christ, one mind with Christ. How do we seek Christ? And we need to practically know, how can I seek you? You know, sometimes uh, as a priest, I, I preach homilies and or, or, or give talks and I talk about the spiritual life, but sometimes I'm not very practical. And people will tell me, oh man, I'm so inspired. But then I go home and I'm like, well, what do I do with it? How do I practically implement those, those um, tools into my life so that I can grow and mature my relationship with God and with the church? And so practically, how do we seek Jesus? We, we seek Jesus practically in Scripture. Like opening up the word of God, looking at his life in the gospels, seek him so that we can come to know him, seek him out. How did he pray? When did he pray? Where did he pray? What did he pray about? 
Who did he pray for? Why did he pray? When did he work? Where did he work? What did he do? What did he not do? Who did he work with? Who did he spend time with? Where did he rest? Where did he uh, experience recreation? Where did he experience sorrow and pain and suffering? Enter deep into the life of Christ and the scriptures. Seek Jesus. Seek Jesus. And the more we seek him, then the more we will be able to come to actually know him, to not just know about him, but to know him. Because as we seek him in the word of God, we we read his life and then we focus on what does that say to me? And as we focus on what it says to me, we talk to Jesus, have a conversation with Jesus about what his life and what his prayer and what his ministry says to us. We have that conversation with him. And then we spend time with him. This is how we come to to know him, not on a surface level, but to come to know him at a deeper level, to really come to know God. The more we seek him, the more we will find find him, what we know him, the more we know him, the more we can love him. He desires to be loved by us. I went on a retreat a few um, months ago, maybe six months ago or so, a while back now. But the the first grace I perceived from God as I prayed was, was, uh, Josh, do you love me? Do you love me? That's the same word, words he spoke to Peter in John 21. Peter, do you love me? And when he said it the third time to Peter, he said, do you love me with the friendship love? And I could just perceive Jesus saying to me, Josh, do you love me? Do you love me with the friendship love? And I said, Jesus, you know I love you with the friendship love. And then I perceived him say, but Josh, do you love me with a best friendship kind of love? And I knew when he asked me that question that I didn't. That, I mean, objectively, I want to say yes, but in reality, I don't. I haven't. And so he was inviting me. It was an invitation. It wasn't a voice of condemnation or discouragement. It was, a, it was an invitation will come to know me more so that you can love me as a best friend, not just as a friend, not just as somebody in my circle, but someone who can rest like John did against my breast and feel my heartbeat, hear my heartbeat, be that intimate with me. I want to be that intimate with you. And he wants to be that intimate with all of us. He wants for all of us to come to know him to know what he cares about, to know what he's passionate about, to know why he's passionate. And that can only happen in the context of prayer, where we share our thoughts and our feelings and our desires with him, but where we also spend intentional, consistent time listening to him share his thoughts and his feelings and his desires with us in Scripture. That's where he reveals the depths of his heart to us. And the more time we spend with him in scripture, in prayer, heart to heart, face to face, eyelash to eyelash, the more our minds will be transformed. We will think with the logic of Christ. And the more our minds are transformed, the more our words and our actions will then also be transformed. The fruit of our time with Christ, the fruit of our knowledge of Jesus, of our relationship with God will be manifested in our actions outside of prayer. The fruit of a holy communion with God is evangelization and catechesis and discipleship and charity and justice. The fruit of our relationship with Christ is the transformation of our homes and of our neighborhoods and of our workplace environments and of our church in the United States of America. This is the fruit of our prayer. And this has been the witness of so many saints who preceded us. Brothers and sisters, you and I, we are called to be saints. We are all called by God to become saints. He desires for us to be saints. He created us to be saints. He wants us to abide in relationship with him on earth and forever in heaven. And that relationship 
is rooted in our prayer. This is the witness of the saints who have preceded us in our walk toward eternity. Mother Teresa of Calcutta spent hours in prayer every single day, and the fruit of her prayer was her charity to the people in Calcutta. St. John Vianney spent hours in prayer, and the fruit of his prayer was his ministry of confessions, of, of listening to people as they shared their heart with him in the sacrament of reconciliation and absolving them of their sins. Look at the life of St. John Paul II. He spent hours in prayer, and the fruit of his prayer was taking down communism. Look at the life of St. Catherine Drexel. She spent hours in prayer, and the fruit of her prayer was all of her works for racial justice in the United States of America. All of these holy men and women were rooted in prayer. They were rooted in the interior life. They were rooted in relationship with Jesus. This is what you and I are also being called by the Holy Spirit to be rooted in, to spend time every single day in prayer. It's important that we look at our calendar and we mark off time every day for Jesus in prayer with scripture. So we need to know, like, when am I going to pray with scripture? Where am I going to pray with scripture? What am I going to do to avoid distractions when and where I am praying with scripture? Who's going to hold me accountable to my relationship with God, which is rooted in scripture? And why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Well, because I want to know him. I want to know the Lord more. I don't want to just simply settle for knowing about Jesus, but I want to know Jesus who knows me so intimately and who invites me to know him intimately, to care about what he cares about, to care about who he cares about. And the Jesus that I've encountered in the scriptures is a Jesus, he's a God who was passionate about the poorest of the poor, the disenfranchised members of his community, the men and the, and the women who were ostracized by their brothers and by their sisters, the sick and the suffering, the outcast, the poorest of the poor. Jesus Christ had a preferential option for the poor. This is what the church teaches in our Catholic social teaching. And if Jesus Christ was passionate about the poor, then the more time I spend with Jesus in prayer, the more I too will become passionate about the poorest of the poor. And this brings us to the saint, the patron saint for our Sikh conference this year. He's a guy by the name of Saint Alberto Utaro. He was born in Chile um, in 1901, and he experienced suffering as a child when he was only four years old. Uh, his, his dad passed away, and um, he went from house to house to house growing up as a child, living in poverty. He was able to receive a Catholic education, and his desire was to become a lawyer because he wanted to be a lawyer to defend the rights of the poor. Because of his poverty, he knew that it wasn't just charity that he needed. Charity is good. That's what Mother Teresa's sisters provide for the body of Christ. It is a necessary good, right? They provide charity. They feed those who are hungry. They clothe those who are, are naked. They visit those who are imprisoned, and they accompany those who are sick, and they welcome those who are strangers. Like Those are works of charity, and that's what we are called to do. The gospel teaches us that in Matthew 25, from the mouth of Jesus, works of charity are a path toward heaven. 
But in addition to charity, the charity that he received, he was aware that that there were reasons why the poor were poor. You know, it's one thing to say, how can I help the poor? It's another thing to ask the question, why are the poor poor in the first place? And so he desired to become a lawyer so he could find ways to defend the rights of other poor people. But he, through his time spent in prayer, perceived Jesus invited him to be a priest. And so he pursued the priesthood through the Jesuits, and that's what he did. And that's how he grew in holiness, was as a, as a Jesuit. But even as a Jesuit, he continued to remain close to the poor. He remained close to the poor. He would go out at night and he would feed the poor. He would clothe the poor. He would accompany the poor. He would find housing for uh, children and for men and for women. Um, and, and eventually, after doing this for a long time on, just the, on his own on a daily basis, he was like, you know, I need to found something that can provide a place and a space for these men and these women, and these boys and these girls who are homeless, who are in need. And so he began to found these houses called the Home of Christ. Um, and, and he grew up into like a, a big shelter uh, throughout his entire land where there's like 14 or so shelters that people were able to receive hospitality from and they were able to rest there and be fed and uh, be spiritually nourished as well. That was his work of charity. And it was really important and really necessary and really good. And it was the fruit of his prayer. It was the fruit of his relationship with Jesus is what inspired him to do that particular work for his community. But he was also concerned with justice. He wanted to ask the question, why are the poor poor? And sometimes whenever we begin to ask these questions, it makes people, some people who are not poor, very uncomfortable. And so some people in his community, even Catholics, began to label him as a communist. And they were saying, you are a communist and you're, you're, you're against the church and all this other stuff. And because he made them uncomfortable because he was asking them to, to reflect upon why are the poor in their community so poor? Why do they have such an inadequate housing situation? Why are there so many children who are homeless? Why aren't they getting a good education? Why isn't healthcare being provided for them? Why are they working so many hours and getting paid so little and they don't have protection from, from their community? Like, What is going on here? Why are you able to have have such good education and good housing and uh, and you're able to get good health care and you're able to have a lot of benefits in your workplace environment, but they're not able to have that in theirs. And so he, in collaboration with other students, um, they began to collaborate with the Catholic Workers Union. And this was probably his biggest legacy um, in his land because this is where they began to work to address those institutional practices um, unwritten rules and policies, written rules that accommodated some people in their land, gave access to some people, but discriminated against um, and alienated against and even uh, oppressed other people in their land, particularly those who were already the poorest of the poor. And um, this was his justice. So he was concerned with both charity and justice and his charity and his justice. They were the fruits of his relationship with Jesus, even though he was misunderstood like Jesus was, even though he was persecuted for the sake of righteousness like Jesus was, he never ceased doing what he was called to do in the body of Christ. So here's the thing. As you and I grow deeper in our relationship with God through our time spent with God in prayer, in holy communion with the word of God, the Bible, and before the presence of the blessed sacrament, the Holy Spirit will inspire us to do things that other people, even in the church, even in the body of Christ, might not understand. They might not get, they might think that we're crazy, 
But if it's the fruit of our prayer, then we need to respond to that fruit of our prayer and go out to accompany our brothers and sisters who are who are poor, who are neglected, who are isolated, who are alienated, who are disenfranchised, who are marginalized for whatever reason, because they are the body of Christ. And one of the, the quotes that St. Alberto says uh, is this. He says, Christ is present in the poor, but Christ is also present in the one who stands in solidarity with the poor, right? Christ is also present in us. And so we can be Christ for them as they are Christ, Christ for us. Uh, whenever I was campus minister so many years ago, I'm, I'm back at LSU part-time right now, but seven years ago, I was, seven and a half years ago, I was campus minister full-time at LSU. And one of the things I saw in a lot of my students was they were okay with praying with scripture and some of them were okay with praying for the blessed sacrament, but they resisted being close to Christ and the poor. And I was like, well, clearly like, the Lord is inviting you to pray more because the fruit of our prayers, we will have the mind of Christ. And so maybe the reason why your prayer is so dry right now is because Jesus is saying, I want you to encounter me in the poor, not just for, for their sake, but for your sake. And that is for your sake, but for their sake. We have a gift to give to them and they have a gift to give to us. And if we're not in relationship with them, then we will go without. So I really want to encourage us and invite us to examine our conscience, to examine our day, to examine our week and examine how much time do I spend in prayer, first and foremost, and then how is God inviting me to participate in works of charity, which he is always inviting us to participate in? And also, how is God, not if, but how is God inviting me to participate in works of justice? I can't do every work of charity and I cannot do every work of justice, but I can do something. I can do one thing. So what's the one way that the Holy Spirit is inviting me to work with them for their salvation and for my sanctification as well? This is... Exciting, y'all. This is an exciting year at the conference because um, adoration leads to imitation. So one of the gifts that the Seat Conference has always provided for young people is a deeper relationship with Jesus. Hopefully this podcast provides you with tools to cultivate a practical relationship with Jesus in prayer. And hopefully the fruit of our prayer will be imitation of Jesus, which is we will then, as the body of Christ, go out in our land and go and find, like San Alberto did, he found the poor. He didn't wait for them to come to him. He went to them where they were at. And he walked with them, not only their material needs, but he walked with them and their spiritual needs. And he accompanied them in their relationship with God and the church. And what he did in some way, shape, or form, in some capacity, which will be unique to us, is what the Holy Spirit is inviting us to do as well. So with that being said, let us, uh, let us be intentional and consistent with Jesus so that Jesus can use us to transform the land that we have been created to live in, so that together with the people who live in our land, and particularly the poorest of the poor, we can collaborate with them and together build what St. John Paul II calls a civilization of love. All right, y'all. Hopefully this was a helpful podcast for you. Uh, I want to invite you to stay tuned uh, next week with more podcasts on Google Play and iTunes and Spotify. And you can also check out our Ascension Presents show, the Ask Father Josh show on YouTube. It airs every other Tuesday at 2.30 Central. All right, y'all. God bless. Thanks for listening, friends. For more content from this podcast, click the link in the episode description. 
Join these podcasters and many others as we encounter Jesus at Seek 22, February 4th through the 6th. For more information and to register, visit seek.focus.org.